you younger than maybe a few of you, but waiting has changed dramatically. I remember when I was a kid, like all summer long, I would wait for the newspaper to be delivered. About between 3 and 4 o'clock every day, the newspaper would show up so I could read the sports page. I wanted to look at the box score of the Indians or why I wanted to find out news about the Browns or maybe uh, the Cavaliers. Now I can sit while I'm working at my computer and get a pitch-by-pitch update of what's happening in the baseball game. I used to wait, have to wait every day till 4 o'clock to find out what happened the night before. We used to order something through the mail, and it would take a week or 10 days. I remember that. Two weeks. Now you can get groceries delivered the same day. Come on, somebody. If we wanted to watch a movie at home, how many remember Blockbuster? Right? You'd walk up and down the aisles at Blockbuster. By the time you left your house and you walked down every aisle, looking in every nook and cranny for just the right, the perfect movie, about an hour later, you're sitting down at your house watching your movie. Now you get on your smart TV and you browse through, you search just the movie you want to watch, and you rent it or you buy it and you're watching it without ever leaving your couch. We used to have to wait. We don't really wait anymore. We used to wait in line. And when we used to have to wait in line, we would talk to somebody or we'd even get a chance to think about something. You remember that? Like you didn't have anything else. You're just like thinking about stuff. And now as soon as we start waiting in line, what happens with most folks? I mean, I'm talking like seconds, right? You stop, your f- people's feet stop moving for a second. And what happens? Their phone comes out. God help us. We used to have to wait for stuff. And now we don't wait anymore. Right? I think our waiting muscles have gotten a little soft. Right? I don't know if you agree with me today. We don't know how to wait anymore. We were forced to do more waiting than we do now. We used to get more practice at it than we get today. So I believe the message this morning is more important for us and to us than ever before. We are nearing the end of a journey through the book of James. And I have enjoyed working through this book tremendously, and bringing you along for the ride. I hope you found practical help to live out real faith in Jesus. How many of you have enjoyed this walk through um, James? I certainly have. Well, you and me, and, and yeah, we, us three, man, we are, I love James. So I pray as a result of our study that all of our faith is more mature, that all of our faith is more visible, and that all of our faith is more effective. So we're in the last chapter, we're in chapter 5, verses 7 through 11. And these verses begin with the word, therefore. Right? Whenever you see a therefore, what do you need to do? You need to go back and see what it's there for. Absolutely. So when we go back and read verses 1 through 6, which we did last week, They tell us that the world that we live in can and will be unfair, unjust, and immoral. Not a good place to say amen, but it's something that we all know to be true. Amen amen means so be it, right? How many of you ever said, man, life is hard, amen. Don't amen that. Amen means so be it, right? So uh, the world that we live in can be unfair, unjust, and immoral. This world is no friend of grace, and it's no ally to those who desire to know God better, to love Him more, and to follow Him wholeheartedly. 
Therefore, since this is true, then think about this, James says. Brothers and sisters, be patient until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth and is patient with it until it receives the early spring rain and the later summer rains. You must be patient. Strengthen your hearts because the Lord's coming is near. Brothers and sisters, do not complain about one another so that you will not be judged. Look, the judge stands at the door. Brothers and sisters, take the prophets who spoke in the Lord's name as an example of suffering and patience. See, we count as blessed those who have endured. You've heard of Job's endurance and have seen the outcome that the Lord brought about. The Lord is compassionate and merciful. These passages give us instruction on how to wait on the Lord. We're obviously going to talk about that a little bit today. The Bible talks about waiting on the Lord many places. Psalm 27, 14, wait for the Lord. Be strong and let your heart be courageous. Wait for the Lord. How about Isaiah 40? Most of you, some of you have this memorized. Even youths get tired and weary. Even strong young men clumsily stumble. But those who wait for the Lord's help find renewed strength. They rise up as if they had eagle's wings. They run without growing weary. They walk without getting tired. Talking about how to wait on the Lord. Lamentations 3.25 The Lord is good to those who wait for Him. To the person who seeks Him. To be in a dependent relationship with an eternal infinite God, who doesn't count time like we do, who's not in a hurry like we are, who knows everything that we do not. There's going to be many times to be in a dependent relationship with an eternal, infinite God like that. There's going to be many times where we're going to have to wait on Him and wait for Him, for His direction, for His provision. In these verses found in James 5, 7 through 11, the author teaches us how to wait well, almost all of you are waiting on God for something. Almost all of us are waiting on God for something. We don't have any control over how long we wait, but we do have control over how well we wait. I remember when I was waiting for a wife. I made a decision to follow Jesus when I was 25 years old. I got married when I was 39 years old. Now, for those of you that are really good at math, that means for 14 years... I was waiting in between as a saved young man, waiting for God to bring me the wife that I felt like I was going to get, the wife that I felt I had a promise for. There were many days and nights in that time frame when I did not wait well. I remember yelling at God, shouting at God, God, what, why do you hate me so much that you're leaving me in this dire situation for 14 long years? For those of you that know my wife, know it was well worth the wait. Thank God. Um, Sarah's mom used to always say, it's better to be single and want to be married than to be married and want to be single. Someone said amen. Yeah. So I, I waited, and man, I, I, made, I made the right choice. I know God loves me. I don't know. I guess he's working on her, but, you know, God, God, thank God. So maybe you're waiting on God for something right now. Maybe you're waiting for direction. Maybe you're waiting for breakthrough. Maybe you're waiting for direction for a career or a relationship. Maybe you're waiting for healing of a heart. 
or a mind or a body. Maybe you're just waiting for a promise that you believe God made to you. If you're waiting now or you expect to be waiting in the future, I want to help you and me to find new ability to wait well. How many of you want to learn how to wait well? Let's look together at what James teaches us about how to wait on the Lord. We're going to look at three steps towards waiting well. The first one is practicing patience. Everybody say, practicing patience. Reading again, verses 7 through 8. Therefore, brothers and sisters, be patient until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth and is patient with it until it receives the early and the late rains. You also must be patient, strengthen your hearts, because the Lord's coming is near. I, uh, I'm the landscaper at our house, which is really a fancy way of saying I mow the grass. But uh, I also like to put flowers in our flower beds. I like to plant uh, perennials. How many of you know the difference between perennials and annuals? Yeah. I try to stay away from annuals as much as possible. I try to plant as many perennials because you don't have to water them as much. You don't have to mess with them as much, right? But it's hard to get enough perennials where you have color all year long. But that's a whole other story. I found some bulbs that waited for their on sale, put them in the ground, and I've been watering them. Like over a month now, about Mother's Day. I've been watering them like every other day. And nothing, nothing, nothing. But I know I watered somewhere right around in here. There's some bulbs. I know they're down there, so I just keep watering them, Right? Finally, the other day, some leaves poked up out of the ground. I knew that I planted them. I knew I'd been watering them, so I believed that they would come up, and eventually they did. I had to be patient, much more patient than I wanted to be. I wanted to put them in the ground one day and have color the next day. I was able to be more patient than I wanted to because of what I knew. James tells us in verse 8 to strengthen our hearts. Does he offer any knowledge that will strengthen our hearts towards patience? He tells us that the Lord is coming, that the Lord is near, that we are not alone. Now, some of you might say, but Tim, James wrote that almost 2,000 years ago that the Lord is near. Doesn't that mean he's wrong about the nearness of Christ's return? Have you ever wondered, when is the last days? I mean, you believe we're in the last days. Yeah. Peter announced that the last days began on that day of Pentecost after Christ rose from the dead. He said, these are the last days. So that means that the time between Christ's first coming and his second coming are known as the last days. Now, some believe that we're in the last of the last days. And either way, we are closer to the return of Christ than we have ever been before. James is telling us to hold on. The Lord is near. He can return at any time. Ephesians 5, 22 and 23 tells us that patience is a fruit of the Spirit. I believe the combination of these verses give us a clearer picture of how this fruit is produced in our lives. God's Word, His promises, give us divine reasons to be patient. Gives us things to know. And His Spirit gives us divine ability to do so. His Word working together with His Spirit produces fruit in our lives. When we feel like giving up, when we're tired of waiting and we feel like we just need to make something happen. How many of you get bored and you just move the furniture around once in a while just 
because you're bored looking at it. Yeah. Sometimes we just need to make something happen. We are tired of waiting with things just the way they are. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to change everything around just because I'm tired of it being the way that it is. I need some of this change to happen. I need some of this improvement to come. I need God to answer. I need God to do those things he's promised to do. But we need to allow the perfect work of patience to have its way in us. This is based on the promise that Jesus is coming and even now he is near. What if we, how would we live today if we learned that Jesus was going to return in the next 24 hours? Would you give up on anything? Would you stop praying for that lost loved one? Would you stop asking God for healing? Would you stop praying for the standing on that promise that God made? God's going to return in the next 20 Would you stop? Would you give up? Well, yeah, it hasn't happened so far. It's not going to happen now. We wouldn't give up on any of that stuff. Would it be easier to wait well if we knew it was only for a short time? I mean, when you go up, you go into the, into the, um, the places that have you make a ticket. They have you take a ticket, like DMV. You go up and you take a ticket. It makes it nice. Okay, they're on 57 now. I got 63. So I, I know like when my time's coming up. But sometimes you're sitting in there. If they don't have a ticket, I'm like, why aren't they using the tickets? I have no idea when they're going to call me. You're making me, somebody take a ticket. Right? When I know it's easier for me to wait when I know it's only for a short time, when I can tell how long it's going to be. According to God's timekeeping, the wait will be short. Hold on, friends. Stay the course. Be patient. Strengthen your hearts. You can do it. You can make it. We've got to practice. How have you ever learned to... Um, Play a guitar, play a keyboard, hit a baseball, field a grounder, hit the cutoff man. How'd you learn how to do that? Practice. If we want to wait well, we have to learn how to wait on the Lord. We need to practice patience. We need to practice patience. Number two, we also need to silence Complaints. Number two, silence. Say that with me. Silence. Complaints. So let's review uh, verse 9. Brothers and sisters, do not complain about one another. Look around. Say, look at somebody say, don't complain about one another so that you will not be judged. Look, the judge stands at the door. Have you ever been angry at something or somebody and some poor, unsuspecting person just happened to walk in on whatever you had happening at the moment and all of a sudden they got a whole lot of taste about whatever it was that you're mad or angry or frustrated about? I know none of us would ever do that. You didn't mean to. It just kind of happened that way. They were just the next person that talked to you, that spoke to you, that dared to breathe in your presence and you were just waiting Right? They spent enough time with you that some of your frustration leaked out on them. Sometimes when we're waiting on God and we get tired waiting, things aren't going the way we want them to. They're not going the way we think they should. We don't always realize the source of our feelings and we find excuses to take how we feel out on the people around us. Sometimes without even recognizing, without even feeling, without even knowing it. 
We don't always realize the source of those feelings. If we had a choice, I know this is, this is a dumb question. If we had a choice of getting what we need now or getting it later, how many vote for now? How many vote for later? Yeah. Now and later. We want it now. Most of us are going to choose now. The frustrating thing is that we don't have any choice at all when God will answer us. We can't control when his help will come, when the pain will leave, when the trouble will end, when the promise will be fulfilled, and that can make even the most patient person a little grumpy. We can't allow ourselves to see the journey as an interruption of what God wants to do in our lives. I need this word all the time. The journey is valuable to getting us not just where God wants us to be, but who He wants us to be by the time we get there. Anybody know what I'm talking about? We can't allow ourselves to see this journey that feels like a detour to see this as an interruption of God wants to do in our lives. Even the parts of the journey that seem like a detour. Because the lessons we learn in the detours, how to love in the midst of difficult moments, how to give grace when we want to tell somebody what we think, how to believe the best when we suspect the worst. All these things make us more like Jesus. They will mold our hearts and our minds towards His way of thinking, towards His way of doing business. Difficulties can make additional room in our lives for His kingdom to come and for His will to be done. We pray that all the time. But sometimes we have to walk through some stuff. We have to go through what feels like a detour, and it, it allows us to grow in our faith. It allows us to grow in grace. It makes some additional room in our lives for patience and for love, for compassion, for His kingdom to come and for His will to be done. If we want to silence the complaints in our lives, we need to do two things. Sometimes we just need to shut our mouth. I'll always remember uh, Joyce Meyer... Um, talking about some being in a fight with her husband, and uh, she said something about she just had to shut her mouth. And uh, boy, that's good advice for us from time to time. We just, sometimes we just need to shut our mouth. We know what's about to come out is not good. So sometimes we just need to shut our mouths. Two two things we want to silence the complaints. One is shut your mouth. Philippians two fourteen says, "Do everything." Somebody say everything without grumbling and arguing. Well, what about cleaning my room? What about taking out the trash? What about picking up the dog poop? Do everything without grumbling and arguing. What about putting up with that difficult neighbor, that difficult coworker? Do everything without grumbling and arguing. What about that family member doesn't treat me right, rolls their eyes every time I talk? Do everything without grumbling and arguing. Sometimes we just need to shut our mouths. Number two, sometimes we need to monitor our hearts. We need to stop planting seeds of blame, of criticalness, and frustration in our hearts because they are eventually going to come up, right? They're eventually going to come out of our mouths. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18, Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances. Somebody say all. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. 
when we want to complain about or judge another believer, when we're frustrated by our circumstances and we feel like just taking it out on somebody, we need to just take a breath, take a moment, remember to close my mouth and monitor my heart. Wait on the Lord to change us, to change them, or to change the circumstances. Psalm 33, 20 and 21, we wait for the Lord. He is our help and shield for our hearts. Rejoice in Him because we trust in His holy name. Wait for the Lord. He is our help. He is our shield. Our hearts rejoice in Him because we trust in His holy name. If we want to learn how to wait on the Lord, these three steps are going to help us. We need to, number one, practice patience. Number two, we need to silence complaints. And number three, we need to exercise endurance. Say it with me. Exercise endurance. Let's try that one more time. Exercise endurance. All right, now that's three of you. Let's, I, I, let's see if everybody can help me with this. Let's all say exercise endurance. Hey, that's what I'm talking about. I knew you could do it. I had confidence in you. So Sarah and I are determined to stay in shape. I'm an old man with a young wife and an even younger son, and I want to be as healthy as I can for as long as I can, right? I believe there is a stewardship to our bodies, and how we treat them matters to God. But I have not gotten back to working out with any consistency since we got back from New Mexico almost a month ago. But I know the more regularly I work out, the better shape I get in, the better I feel, and also the healthier I am. So to build up endurance, we need to push ourselves regularly and consistently past what is comfortable. Now, the more we push, the further we can go, the stronger we get, the more endurance we build. How many of you know what I'm talking about? When you first started walking around the block, you couldn't hardly get around the block without catching your breath. Now you walk around the block three or four times, like, hey, I can do this, right? The further you go, the stronger you get, the more you push, the more endurance you build. So think about this for a second. Patience is not a passive tolerance. It's an active endurance. Sometimes we feel like patience, we're just waiting until this thing passes. I'm just going to sit here. I'm going to try to be patient on the outside, maybe even a little patient on the inside. I'm just going to wait for this to go by. That's not patience. Patience is not passive tolerance, just waiting for it to happen. It is an active endurance. It's an endurance that grows as we train for it, as we continue to exercise it. Patience means we don't grow weary in well-doing. It means we don't give in to doubt. It means we push back against worry. Patience is an active perseverance that is learned not by sitting and waiting, but by continuing to take the next right step. Sometimes, though, we need the right reason to keep pushing. We need the motivation to keep enduring, to keep stepping. There's a group of us working our way through the book of Revelation on Wednesday nights. Right now we're in chapter 2, where Jesus gives seven letters to seven churches, seven messages to seven churches. As John, write him down a letter. The last book in your Bible to the, the book of Revelation, the revelation of Jesus Christ. I want to read to you part of what Jesus said to the church of Smyrna. Now, the church in Smyrna lived under great persecution, like many believers do today all around the world. We are 
we are blessed people. Now, we, we get cultural, uh, you know, people want to try to marginalize us culturally and uh, try to do some things, and there's a lot of things that we may disagree about, but there are many believers around the world today that live in constant threat of persecution, physical harm, jail time, um, their businesses being canceled, their church being burned down, their houses being broken into, their pastors being kidnapped and imprisoned. People who speak out, people all around the world today that live under persecution that we don't really understand. This is what Jesus said to the church of Smyrna who lived under a great deal of persecution. Jesus said, don't be afraid of what you are about to suffer. Be faithful to the point of death. And I will give you the crown of life. Let anyone who has ears to hear listen to what the Spirit says to the churches. Be faithful to the point of death. Jesus was faithful to the Father, even to the point of death, and He asks us to do the same. It doesn't fit well with most Americans on a Sunday morning. We don't typically have to face this question. But maybe someday that's going to change. And what about the people that are facing that? But the perspective of what Jesus is asking of us, even to the point of death, 2 Timothy 2.3 says, Take your share of suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. Jesus asks us to endure to the end, even though it may cost us our very life. Because as much as the commercials we hear and the songs we listen to and the shows we may watch and the news that may be broadcast, this life is not it. This is not the place where every promise is fulfilled. This is not the place where every glory is revealed. This is not the place where every mystery is known. And sadly, this is not even the place where every prayer is answered. But I will tell you that there's another place. (laughs) There's another time. One day when we stand before Him, the God of all creation, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, Surrounded by a glory we cannot now comprehend or understand. Fully embraced by a love that we could never earn. Then we will understand why. Then we will have the proper perspective. A heavenly and eternal perspective to see the things that our lives walked through. And maybe God wants us to have, and I believe He does, more of an eternal perspective on the way that we live our lives today. Until then, we need to continue to take the next right step, even when it hurts, even when we don't understand, even when we don't like it. If we'll do these things, friends, this will help us to wait well. Lacey, are you able to come help me? I'm just going to invite you, if you're able to stand with me. Before we leave this morning, I just want us to take a moment Now, I, I put this sermon together based on what 
the message of the fifth chapter of James, what I felt like those verses were saying to me. God may be speaking those things to you, and He may have His finger on some of those things, and He may have His finger on something completely different than any of the things that I said. But before we leave, I just want to give us a moment to respond. If, you, if we want to hear from God, if we want God's answers, then to be a good steward over them means that we need to value the answers that He gives us. We need to answer the words that He speaks to us. We, we need to steward the messages that He gives us, like even those messages of conviction that says, I, I'd like you to do this. I'd like you to stop doing that. I'd like you to pay a little more attention over here. Because friends, we're all waiting on God for something and we can't control how long we're going to wait, but we are the only ones who can control how well we wait. What our attitude's like. What it looks like to the people around us. Are we just unbearable while we're waiting? Do we take it out on everybody else, the fact that we've been waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting? want to wait well, there's three steps that are going to help us. Practice patience. Maybe you're here this morning and you say, you know what, I, I am, I, I can tell you, I am, I'm a very impatient listener. And I'm probably a fairly impatient man. I will try to finish people's sentences because I'm trying to get to the end. So the part that I can tell them what I think about what they just said, and I already know what you're going to say, so let me just say this already. I'm a very impatient listener. And I want God to produce patience in me. And as I'm being patient for promises from God, I'm going to remember that the Lord is near. And His time frame is very different than my time frame. And His accounting, uh, is very near. And I can wait. I can hold on. going to exercise some patience. I'm going to practice it. So that I can get stronger in it and better in it because I want to wait well. Maybe you're with me this morning. You're going to practice some patience. Maybe you're with me this morning. You want to silence complaints because you get frustrated with stuff that's happening or stuff that's not happening. It's not going the way I want it to. I thought these things would have changed by now. I thought this would have happened by now. It's moving so slowly and it makes me aggravated and frustrated and so often I take it out on other people it's their fault and I make it their problem God forgive us today for being unbearable to live with when our stuff's not happening at the speed we want it to happen help us to wait well maybe we need to exercise and more endurance Maybe we need a heavenly perspective that we just expect things to happen the way that they do in this world. And maybe we, we don't always have an eternal perspective valuing those things that God values in each of these situations. But God, help us to do so, I pray. Help us to be obedient even though it's costly. Even to the point of death. said that you'd leave the 99 to go find the one. Not that the, the lives of the saints are of less value, but if, if the sheep pass away in the shepherd's absence, they're 
going to be safe in a bigger in a bigger place in another pen with another group right but the one that's lost is at the most risk maybe we hold onto our lives too tightly maybe we think too much of this world God help us to hold loosely world and the things in it. To exercise endurance knowing that the life of Jesus, that the love of Jesus, that the power of Jesus is being produced in us during those detours. Being produced in us as we just exercise endurance and when we push past what's comfortable and we continue walking even though we don't think we can walk anymore. When we don't like it, when we're not in favor of it, Help us just to continue to take the next right steps. Maybe you're listening to me this morning and you've you've been waiting on the Lord to save you. You've been waiting for the right day. Man, I'm going to get right with God someday. I'm going to give my life to Him. But I just want to get some other things in order first. I want to... I want to get this straightened out. I want to get that straightened out. And friend, while I support and applaud your desire to want to get some things right in your life, God's not, God is not the thing that you push aside to get things right. He's the one that you welcome to get things right. Right? You welcome Him. In. Only He can change it. We've all tried to turn over a new leaf. We've tried to be more diligent. We've tried to have willpower. Friend, willpower can't change your heart. Diligence won't change your heart. We need Jesus to do that. Jesus comes in and then he changes our heart and he helps us to have diligence. He helps us to have patience. He's the missing piece. He's not waiting on you to get right. You're you're waiting on him. All you got to do is invite him in and let him change it from the inside out. Hope, peace, joy, forgiveness. What it's like to be free and clean from the inside out, friend. Uh, Don't wait. There's going to be some things you're going to need to wait on God for, but you need to wait for life. You don't need to wait for forgiveness. You don't need to wait for peace. You can have that today. <laughs> you, can, you can have that right now. You can have that right now. And you choose to trust in what Jesus did on the cross. is the only thing that pays the debt that you owe God. Jesus died on the cross in our place. We owe God. There's a death penalty on our life. If you've sinned just one time, you're a sinner. And the penalty for that sin of being a sinner is death. Jesus died on the cross for you and for me. He took that death penalty. He wrote us now a check. A check for everlasting life, for peace, to pay off every debt you've had. Forgive every sin. And some folks, they take that check and they just put it, in the, put it on top of their dresser. They just let it sit. I'm going to cash that someday. Friend, cash the check. It's life, it's forgiveness, it's power, it's love, it's truth, it's peace. Cash the check. Come to Jesus today. Jesus, forgive me. Forgive me for living for myself. I want to live for you. Forgive me of the sins I've committed. Come and live in me and make me right and clean on the inside. Friends, he can and he will. Whatever room you make for Jesus, he'll fill. And that goes for us in the room this morning. Whatever room we make for Jesus, he'll fill. Can we just make some room this morning? God, teach us to wait well. God, I want to wait well. Help me to practice patience. Help me to silence complaints. And help me to exercise endurance.
God, we ask these things in your name and for your glory and by your power. If that's your prayer this morning, somebody shout it, amen.